Hello everyone and welcome back to a theater near you. My name is Chris Randazzo and I'm joined this evening as always by surprisingly flexible dead guy, Paul Giroux. <laughs> That's me. And reluctant goat, Sean Doyle. Meh. This month's letter was W and we once again went with Sean's pick, Weekend at Bernie's 2. Is there any higher comedy than a reanimated corpse dancing to Calypso music? Let's find out. But first, talk to me about Easter candy, Paul. Oh, I, that Sean is the one who has the most to say about Easter candy. I was just, I, look, <laughs> Paul had to move the mini Cadbury eggs away, and I have just finished all my mini Cadbury eggs that I went out and bought. I only bought them because I ran out the day after Easter. I was like, I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to wait till it's on sale for 90% off and I can get 40 pounds of candy for a nickel. No, I'm going to go out the day after because I really want to be a Cadbury egg, right? Uh, the day after, the morning after Easter, Monday morning, Easter Monday, that's not a thing, but Easter Monday, <laughs> I am in the Walgreens, I am in the CVS, I am in the ShopRite, couldn't find a Cadbury egg. Found all kinds of Cadbury egg adjacent materia, such as the mini Cadbury egg, which is good, but the ratio is a little off, it's a little heavy on the chocolate, yeah. a little light on the filling because of the size differential, um, so that wasn't quite the same. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's a solid B plus, but not the same. I found Oreo creamed Cadbury eggs, which was different. And I hadn't had those before. And I'm not going to say they weren't good. They were definitely good, but it wasn't the Cadbury egg with the, the, the fake yolk. There was Reese's peanut butter cup Cadbury eggs. Very solid. Always good. Um, the chocolate ones and the caramel ones, I think they're a big step down. Uh, but they're, you know, when you can't find the real ones. That's what you're stuck with. The, uh, these ones that I was eating, they were, I guess they're like molted chocolate Cadbury eggs. They're like the, the hard mm. shell little Cadbury eggs with like the malted chocolate in them. Um, I did get them the day after Easter. I, uh, I didn't intend to. I was just like, I want some candy. And I was like, oh, I bet I could get Easter candy cheaper. It's the day after Easter. And uh, there was still plenty of Easter candy. There was also some weird people walking around the CVS collecting this Easter candy. Just like weirdos slowly meandering down the aisle and scooping up all the Easter candy. It was super strange. That was me, man. I'm the weirdo. <laughs> this is like, this is a ritual. I usually wait till like two or three days after because then it's 90% off. But uh, this this time I was like, I'll go on Monday. I'll get 50% off. And that's what it was, 50% off, which isn't bad. But, you know, it's not 90% off. But the the selection was still too too sparse, and there was some weird weird candy options. I did pick up uh, sour watermelon peeps, which were surprisingly good. Huh. Um, I passed on the fruity pebble white chocolate rabbit. Oh, I did too. It seemed like they were huh. really stretching at that point. Mm. Like I'm a man who loves some sugary cereal, but like I don't know. It I guess the white chocolate looks like milk. To your brain? I don't know. It seemed like a stretch. I was like, they are they are going for this. Oh, that sounds pretty good to me. There was also Fruit Loop jelly beans, but that seemed a little bit more on, you know, I was like, yeah, I get this connection here. Yeah, sure, why not? Why not? Right. right. And of course, a big bag of black jelly beans, because that is my number one favorite Easter candy, mm. is black jelly beans. I just huh. want a whole bag of them. Yeah, I did, um, pre-Easter, I did, um, there are these uh, Reese's eggs that come out. They're Reese's Pieces eggs. So they're Ooh. just Reese's Pieces, but they're enormous. <laughs> so it's like, you know, the thick candy shell and then just the peanut butter on the inside. Uh, they only sell them... I, I've, I, I've only usually seen them at Target. 
And I initially went over to the Walgreens that's by my house, and I picked up like one little tiny container of them, and I thought, this'll do me for the year. And then I bought a giant bag of them and ate the whole damn thing. Which, you know, eh, was, uh, was not the was not the best experience of my life. I mean, it was delicious, but man, I, those things make me sick, and uh, yet I still continue to eat them, but only around Easter. I've never had them, but they sound intriguing. Oh, they're wonderful! It's just because Reese's Pieces are like my favorite candies. I freaking love Reese's Pieces. I think they're so terribly underrated. I agree. It, the best, the best is you mix them with M and M's. Oh my god! You well, go fifty fifty in the movie theater, a little M and M, little Reese's Pieces, boom. Yeah. Are you? I mean, are, you know? Do you know of my Christmas? situation you do a christmas m&m bowl you don't put reese's pieces in it yeah i do oh i thought you went straight m&ms oh no no reese's pieces have to be involved i feel like every time i see weird m&ms i'm like should i buy these for christmas and then i look at my watch and i'm like it's june i don't know that they're gonna hold till christmas i have two bags of the uh it's april man i know i've got two bags of like this limited uh graham cracker ones i've you think they're going to hold till Christmas? We should They're fill M&Ms. in. We Do should they go f- bad. I, at some point, everything goes bad except honey. But we <laughs> should fill in the listeners real quick for Christmas. Chris puts together a bowl for his, I guess, Christmas party of just no, nope, just me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> party. Jesus. Uh, so <laughs> I mean, I share it with the family, but it's just a stupid thing I do. He mixes every different type of M and M he can find together. Well, it's it used to be. It, it, it's curated now. <laughs> it kind of has to be because, like, some of the newer M and M's, even if they're delicious, they cause problems. Like the caramel M and M's seemed like a great idea. I'm going to throw that into the mix, but they became wait, totally overpowered. Wait, sorry. When you when you said that they cause problems, my mind immediately went to like conservatives find them too sexy. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. They are naked. No, but you eat a handful of them, and then, like, the caramel's all that's left. The caramel just kind of, everything sticks to it in your mouth, and then you don't get the mix. You just get caramel with a bunch of sharp candy bits sticking out of it. So they were a bad plan. Pretzel was weirdly overpowering, too. I thought pretzel was going to be a, a solid win, but no, they they messed up the mix entirely. You t- take a handful of everything, and then you eat one of their pretzel ones that are in there, all you taste is pretzel. Mm. But I can see that. my... The crispy ones seem to be have disappeared, and that's a shame because they made they made for wonderful, wonderful addition to the mix. My favorite one that was only around for a year was the uh, technically the Nutella ones, the hazelnut spread ones. They were phenomenal, but nobody bought them because they were hazelnut spread. Nobody knows what hazelnut spread is. They think it's Nutella. If they had that official branding, they would have probably would have done great. That made for an amazing mix. But this year, I'm going to try these. Was it last year? I tried the 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 sugar cookie ones uh that came out around christmas time and they went great but i'm gonna try these graham cracker ones and then whatever else whatever other madness comes out this year i want you to look at the expiration date okay all right all right i'm I'm gonna gonna you don't have to do it right to say i just mean before you you ruin your christmas bowl of m&ms with m&ms that when i you know these are honey graham i mean that just sounds delicious honey graham m&ms sorry that was far away uh Best Buy November. Come on. <laughs> best Buy November? That's not even an expires. That's Best Buy November. These are fine. All right. These are going to be great. In the, in the words of Al Bundy, sell by November? Well, hell, I ain't selling them. I'm, I'm eating them. <laughs> <laughs> this says Best Buy. Like, 
Am I going for the best here? Am I aiming for that kind of quality? I don't think I am. B plus is more than sufficient. Right. That's how I got out of high school. <laughs> I got out of school with D's. <laughs> I got to say, I've known both you guys for a long time, and this was stuff I didn't know about you. I didn't know that, you know, on the third day, Sean rose again from the dead and goes down to CVS <laughs> and buys Easter candy. I didn't know that Chris, you know, mixes this holiday bowl of joy. Like, it makes me feel like you maybe... You didn't know about that? No. I post pictures of that on Facebook every year. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. You live too far away. You got to move to Epsic and join the cult. Makes, makes me feel <laughs> like... Like, Come join the makes, join makes me feel like I need to like adopt some sort of like Fourth of July Swedish fish extravaganza or something. Ooh, sign me up! I yeah. love Swedish fish. That sounds glorious. I'm on board for this plan. Right. I love the different colored Swedish fish too. Like obviously the red ones are they're the classic. classic. But the, sure. You get those bag with all the the greens and the yellows. Oh, that's mm. delicious. Of all the what I would call <laughs> candies, that's my favorite one. <laughs> That's accurate. It's weird accurate that I understood exactly what you were. I understood exactly what you were talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to see if I can find the picture. From, <gasps> there used to be a way to just like super quickly scroll through, through Facebook and be like, "All right, show me, show me potato salad. Uh, show me the, uh, <laughs> show me January or December or whatever. Where are we? Oh, here we're in January already. I, I'll get to December and then I'll I'll find out what, what my mix was because I always take pictures of it and post them online just for posterity. And so that I can remember what what went into it every year. Well, being that all right, so last year this was is a podcast. Your pictures will be super riveting to the folks at home. <laughs> oh, for sure. All right, so yeah, so Eminem started trying to you know get up on my mix here, and they started releasing their own mixed bags, and uh, that was somewhat helpful. I grabbed the nut brownie mix bag, which was peanut and fudge brownie. Oh, the fudge brownie was a great addition. Fudge brownie was great. So this year's mix was. Two bags of the nut brownie mix. So that was peanut, fudge brownie, then a bag of plain, bag of peanut butter, bag of Reese's Pieces, and a bag of crunchy cookie. So that sounds wonderful. I'll say this about the M&M's peanut butter. They are good, but I feel like they're completely unnecessary in my life because I have Reese's Pieces, Hmm. and they're very similar in nature, but I think I like the Reese's Pieces a bit more. So I'm like, meh, they're fine if that's what's here, but I never feel the need to buy them. See, I love the peanut butter ones because they have the chocolate in them. Now, granted, if I'm going to do a mix of just Reese's Pieces and M&M's, that's a good time, too. Sure. But, you know, if, I'm, if I have to choose between one or the other, I'm almost always choosing Reese's Pieces. They're like my favorite candy in the world. But peanut butter M&M's, they have a, they have a, a very nostalgic place in my heart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're glorious. Anyway. Anyway. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's movie adjacent. You go yeah. to the movies, you buy candy, right? right I mean, popcorn, yeah. soda. And junior mints, right? I mean, you mean you go to five below and then you go to the movie. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right, so Paul, I'm about halfway through Hobbs and Shaw. What, um, halfway? You just started it yesterday. Well, all right. So yesterday I went to um, uh, get new glasses, and they did a whole lot of stuff to my eyeballs, and they did the whole pupil dilated thing. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't read anything up close. It also it also let him take in more of Fast and Furious than anyone should have ever taken in. Like every moment, he was getting an extra light from the screen. I was watching faster and more furious. (laughs) So um, I, I I could see from far away. I just couldn't see anything up close. So I physically couldn't do my job. So I just laid on the couch and watched Fast. Uh, finished off a. 
I finished off, what was it? Uh, Fate of the Furious, yeah. which did finish stronger. Uh, I, I agree with you. It finished off in a much more fun fashion. Um, where am I? Okay, I'm, I'm less than halfway through Hobbs and Shaw. I'm like, I have about an hour and a half left, so I'm, I'm a little more than an hour in. Yeah, Hobbs and Shaw is a hoot, right? Oh, God, it's great. And Karen's <laughs> totally in on this now, too. Yeah. You um, telling me it's a two and a half hour movie? Uh, yeah. Well, two, two hour and 15, so yeah, I guess yeah. I'm less than... Yeah, it's 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 a good time. Um, yeah, Karen, Karen saw me watching whichever the one was where they jump from skyscraper to skyscraper. Yeah, it was seven. And she was like, "This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Why haven't I been watching these?" Uh, and I said, "Yeah, this is this isn't how it started, but this is definitely where we are right <laughs> yeah. now." And then um, she came downstairs uh, to get me some like Tylenol or something for my headache after I got back from the eye doctor, and. Uh, I was like, I'm, I'm just going to sit here and watch this movie. And she's like, you know, there's no reason I can't do the same. I don't have any work right now. So she sat down and she watched that with me. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in on this now. <laughs> can I come with you to Fast 10? I was like, shit, I'll, I'll make sure you can watch the 15 minutes with me every morning. <laughs> so nice. she is, she's in on the, uh, and she's just picking up from here. She's not going to go back and watch all the other ones because I don't think she'd like the first couple. Yeah. And maybe like round four or five, she'd probably start to get into them because that's when they get properly ridiculous. But holy cow, it's just keep getting more insane. And now like we've got Cyborg Idris Elba, like you really got to, even though I've watched all of them, you just got to wonder how the hell did we get here? Yeah, Hobbs and Shaw definitely tread some some new turf. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I I wish they would make more Hobbs and Shaw. I, I if like I said, like if. I said it before, if the Fast and Furious movies came out as frequently as the Marvel movies, if you got, like, you know, in, like, February, you got a Hobbs and Shaw-verse, and then in, like, June, you got a main <laughs> one, and then, you know, like, if... I would I would totally be all in on this. Um, uh, yeah, and, uh, and then Hobbs and Shaw sort of, like, expands it with, you know... I mean, like, I, there's, there's more of the, the family thing in that with, like, their family brought in and then like mm-hmm. with uh ryan reynolds and with um what's his face uh kevin hart like it felt like they were really building out that world too um but then... i haven't seen kevin hart yet oh well sorry <laughs> he shows up <laughs> spoilers yeah. well so um i did see in the news today that a uh, fast and furious 11 is happening yes that's uh, that's it, supposed it... to end the whole thing yes that's supposed to end the current saga so not end the whole thing i think it's just supposed to that then they'll do some sort of proper reboot but um, oh god yeah <laughs> good times uh who was the they announced the director louis letterier letterier yeah well that's who's directing this fast x so i guess i guess he's doing that and the next one I guess he's doing this two-part finale. Yep, that's what it seems to seems to be. So, uh, yeah, uh, do do you have any questions for me on on my experience uh, thus far? Where did we Where did we leave off when uh, our last episode? I had gotten through the first four movies, so I've gotten through four and a half more movies. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you just want to talk Fate of the Furious could we because we have been texting about that, or if you want me to. Go back. Oh yeah, to- I wanted to talk to you about the ending because you had questions for how I felt about the ending. Yeah. Um, Fate of the Furious was like the first half of it was 
really stressful because like it kind of removed a lot of the whole fun aspect because of like how I, I felt bad for Groot and then like they killed baby Groot's mom and like it was really just kind of dark and frustrating because so Charlize Theron catches him right she like recruits him but then he goes on a mission with his team at any point he could have written something on a post-it note like he could have done any number of things to point them in the direction of like I, the, shit's going down i have to do some weird stuff please trust me that i'm not actually evil and figure this shit out because i feel like if his whole crew was behind him this entire time he probably could have figured like elena would probably still be alive so i, I don't know i, I felt kind of weird about that um, granted, it's like suspension of disbelief in a Fast and Furious movie, whatever. But uh, it just made the whole thing so stressful because it's like, ah, stop doing this movie. This is stupid movie stuff. This is not the kind of stupid movie I enjoy. It's like, we know he's not evil and they have to know that he's not evil. So like, come on, what are we doing here? Let's just get past this and get back to everybody's having fun and how, how, beating each other up and blowing up planes and stuff. How would he write them a post-it note? They're all in different cars. <laughs> that's true well doesn't he he's got to have like a special wink and a nod or something that he could uh could have given to 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 grumpy pants i don't know i don't know but anyway what what was the thing that you said was uh particularly controversial about the ending because i looked at that ending and saw like a handful of things that were like i don't know how this is driving with me right now this is pretty pretty out there uh, well I think there's a lot of stuff that's okay. I think there's a lot of stuff that's out there in this movie. I think there's a lot of stuff that's out there, but I think that if you, if you squint and you look at it sideways and you just roll with the logic that the movie's giving you, I think it makes as much sense as any other fast of the furious movie, you know, like there's plenty of redonkulous stuff in the other ones. And I think, I think this one is, you know, I, I I think if you follow the logic of the movie, this one's fine. You know, like, I say to myself, um, all right, would the team really let Decker Shaw in uh, to work with the team? And then I'm like, well, they didn't agree to it. Mr. Nobody made them do it. And Mr. Nobody is literally there to justify ridiculous things like you're even going to see in the next movie. Like, that's his whole purpose is like, it's like, can't explain this. Mr. Nobody decided it's going to happen. Right. So um, I'm like, all right, I'll buy that. You know, I kind of say to myself, would he like, uh, like, all right, he's he's got his back up against the wall. He can't reach out to his team because it'll put his team in danger. Cypher is monitoring his communications. It would put, you know, uh, Elena and the baby in danger because she has them. So, all right, he's not going to contact his team. Obviously, he's not going to contact Mia and Brian. That's his, you know, sister. That would put her in danger, right? So he's like, mm -hmm. he's got his back up against the wall. So he's got to work with these. He's got to do things that are unexpected. He's got to work with people that were unexpected. So like, there's that guy from Cuba that he races and then gives the car back. There's the uh -huh. the two guys from Five, which I have. Yeah, to, I liked how they pulled that in. That was cool. Yeah, I mean, I had to believe that she would have been on the lookout for his known associates, but I guess he hasn't worked with them in like two movies. So like, all right, cool, I'll buy that. <laughs> You know, um, 
And then, like, all right, would he let Decker and Owen Shaw be the ones to save his baby from the plane? I don't think so, but I don't think he had time to work out the details of that. Like, I think he went to Helen Mirren. He was like, I have to trust you and trust that my enemy of my enemy is my friend. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to I'm going to pretend to kill Decker and get him out from under this thing if you save my kid. And I don't think he had the time to work out the specifics of that. It was just like do it and then he had to get back to his car before she turned the camera back on so you know mm-hmm. I, I i like if you if you squint sideways and you look at the logic of the movie I, I i think it's fine i just think the end is the thing that's egregious and if you don't if <laughs> I, think, I think if you're not picking up what i'm laying down i'm surprised chris which specific thing about the end? Because, like, again, that, that scene on the rooftop at the end of the movie had some pretty wild things going on. Specifically, like, he shows back up with the baby, and, like, alright, you saved my kid, but you blew up my house, almost killed several of my family members, you murdered Han, uh, theoretically, um... <laughs> That's what I'm not that's what I'm talking about. Like <laughs> that I think is the thing that sinks it. Like that is where they did not stick the landing. Like I'll buy everything else, but like I think the fact that yeah. Decker Shaw is up there on that rooftop with them drinking coronas and shakes his hand and he's like, you know, yeah, we're cool. It doesn't really jive with me. Like, like oh. Yeah. It's a little st- little strange that uh you know they were having a big family get together and brian wasn't there but you know it's fine he's dead (laughs) i understand i understand that from a movie making perspective that's fine i'll let that slide but the fact that they were just like pretty cool with shaw being there was like yeah i I don't know about this and this is uh and like it it would have been so easy to just do that differently like it it would have it would have been the easiest thing in the world to retool that scene and like not piss everybody off. Like all all they would have had to do is like have have him call him on the phone while he's at that barbecue and be like, "All right, governor, I saved your boy. I guess we're square now." And he could be like, "I look around the table at this rooftop barbecue because I'm here and not in my house, which you blew to smithereens. And Han isn't here drinking Coronas with me." I'd say we're far from square. I don't want to see you. Like I will come after you, but I don't want to see you again. Something like that. Like, see, look, I just yeah, there's I just rewrote. You did it. I you did it. like you look at that. It. Yeah, like put me in, coach. Like, uh, like I'll I'll work with this guy on Fast Eleven. Look at the dialogue I can write. Do 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 Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> Are you listening, Hollywood? I can write Fast and Furious movies. Director's cut. Fix that one. Yeah, so that's, I mean, I think that's the thing that's egregious. Most fans agree. It, it started a whole thing. Uh, it's I, I don't think it's going to ruin anything for you, Chris, now, because you've seen the trailer for Fast X, so you know that Han is in it. They resurrect Han in 9, um, and it's literally... Oh, do be- they? Yeah, it's literally because after this movie... There was a huge movement called Justice for Han because everybody was fucking pissed off that Decker Shaw was at that rooftop barbecue. 
Well, all right. I guess I guess it's nice. No, I'm not alone. It's nice to know that I picked up what you were laying down. And Charlie's there and clearly got away. Right. That's a that's kind of a bummer. But whatever. God, she was she was like evil, man. She was awful. I can't believe they. Well, again. I didn't actually see uh, Groot's mom die. Uh, not Groot's, uh, baby Groot's mom die, right? That happened off camera. Anything can happen in these movies. Charlie's there and will be back with a different haircut. Yeah, I think I saw her on the poster for Fast 10. See, I'm trying not to watch any more trailers for Fast 10 until I get there. Until I get to uh, get through 9 and Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. Well, Hobbs and Shaw is a lot of fun. You know, I think... Uh, yeah, I'm having a hoot with it so far. I think far. you see it's predicated on them being frenemies. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, literally, they saw the dailies with the two of them during Fate of the Furious, and they were like, oh my god, they're funny together. We need to make a movie with them. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Hobbs and Shaw is cool. And then, um, and then, like, Nine is the first one where I'm like... Is this good? <laughs> like, 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 nine's the first one where I can't tell if it's amazing or if it's like too much. Like, um, you know, like when the when the baseline for what is acceptable in these movies is like dragging a, a submarine chase, yeah, a bank vault through a city, or you know, parachuting out of cars out of a plane. Like, I go, all right, well, is, like, is this thing the next logical step? Or is this, like, like, how do you know if you've crossed the line when the line is so obscene? Um, when do they jump, when do they technically jump the shark yeah. when the line is made out of sharks? Exactly. Um, so, that like, and then um, the other thing about Nine is sort of the, the, the characters, like, uh, John Cena specifically. I'm like, does he work? I can't tell if he works in this. So, but you'll see. I will, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So we're all gonna go see Fast Ten together, right? Hell yeah, we are. All right. Just, just making sure. I'm going, never having seen any of the other ones. <laughs> I can't wait. This is gonna be a fascinating experiment. <laughs> I love this. I love everything about it. Oh, I just, before oh. we move on, I just want to say mo- one more thing about uh, uh, Fate of the Furious. I, we, we, okay. we don't have to go back to, to Fast and Furious school like we did before, even though I have a lot to say about, you know, 5, 6, and 7. Um, you know, we can, we can talk sometime later, Chris. But, um, That's fair. But Fate of the Furious, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you caught this while you were watching it. It took me two watches before I actually zeroed in on this did you notice that the rock and vin diesel do not actually film any scenes together no yeah i mean i guess it didn't strike me in specific yeah i just so they were never really in the same place those two hate each other they hate each other (laughs) and and the rock said he was not going to do the movie if he had to film any scenes with vin diesel (laughs) (laughs) so they they made it so they never had to be on set together like like in the <laughs> in the beginning, when they're working out that plan and before they steal the EMP, it's all on the phone. Like they're never in the same room. They're doing it on the phone. And then when they're stealing that EMP, they're all in cars. So they're all like like probably nobody's mm-hmm. on the set together. They're all in like a green screen car thing. And then after that, he's you know he's 
like the rock is leading the team and and vin is you know with cypher so like they're on different sides and then they don't all come together again till that rooftop barbecue and like if you watch real carefully they're never in the same shot together um and then at the end when they're all sitting around the table you see everybody else at the table from a view over like the rock's big muscly arm with his tattoo so obviously it was like some stand-in guy and then they do like a reverse shot to the rock laughing and then everybody's like yay coronas but like (laughs) those two guys were never on set together because the rock because they because they don't like each other (laughs) that's fantastic yeah, which he, well, I'm these these have just been these have just been an experience, Paul, and I, uh, I greatly appreciate it. I'm still still watching along with uh, several people in our Discord, uh, having having a good time on a daily basis. Yeah, you're gonna uh, you're gonna finish ahead of schedule. It's awesome. I am. I'm definitely gonna finish ahead of schedule. I am not, however, going to be watching the animated series. Uh, I I don't know. Yeah, sure. Let's not. <laughs> I'm just uh, I just don't have it in me. I've I have way too many video games to play right now. All right, so that's what I'll do. I'll only watch the anime. <laughs> yeah. that one off <laughs> and then we'll put all our collective knowledge together afterwards and see what we think. Because I'm sure Fast 10 is going to have a lot of callbacks to that animated series. <laughs> totally. Oh, God. All right, well, uh, anything else interesting happening that we need to get to before we start talking about Weekend at Bernie's? Oh, I don't know. Usually it's... Usually we all we all say a thing, like we all do a check-in with what's going on with us. I'll tell you what's going on with me. Did you notice at Wawa now you can get a sizzly, and it's in like a dark green box, and it says double bacon? No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Is that Life what you just ate? Changing. No. It's, I only see them at breakfast time usually, and they're hard to find, but uh, yeah, double bacon. And it felt like triple bacon. It was a lot of bacon. They were just like, F it, man. Here's a whole slab of bacon on this sucker. But it was like in a dark green box that said double bacon. And then real small on it somewhere, it was like croissant with egg and cheese. But really, it was about double bacon. And uh, thank you, Wawa. <laughs> that's the most important thing that's happened in my life this week. Paul, what do you got? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I pushed to do this because I don't know that I have a lot to say. I mean, there's certainly a lot going on with me. I don't know. I don't know if I want to talk about all of it on the podcast. Um I don't know. I guess the most, I guess, I, sure. I guess the only thing that's that's like worth a laugh, like worth a discussion, is like uh, I, I guess this is as funny as it is frustrating. Like uh, my my son now um, is, uh, you know, he's I guess fallen in with a group at school that has uh, questionable humor and questionable jokes. So he's like seeing what he can like get away with at home. He's seeing like what he can like try out and not get in trouble with. And so like he's now addicted to this joke so much so that when it wasn't funny before, it's less funny when he says it like 500 times, but like he's always dropping your moms. Like every <laughs> everything is like, you know, like this this is a, how's the applesauce taste? Uh tastes like your mom, you know? <laughs> like it's every, like everything is like everything's your mom. And like uh can't get him to stop. Uh, I, can't, I can't. Just, just hit him with reality. Just be like, you mean Lucy? I, I do that. <laughs> like, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, I'll be like, you know, my mom is your me mom, right? And he's like, hee, hee, hee. and I'm like, you want me to call me mom and tell her you're talking smack about 
<laughs> I like I'll threaten it. It doesn't fly. Um so like uh yeah, he's always he's always saying your mom to me and like me bringing up that it's his grandmother doesn't seem to do anything. And then like if I say your mom to him, it's like, you know, that doesn't work either. Like I can't do the whole thing like Let's get off mom's because I just got off yours. Because, like, you know, that's, <laughs> that's not going to hold water with my wife right there. So uh, She might not appreciate it, but it'll probably shut him up pretty quick. <laughs> so, yeah. That's just... probably like, oh, dad made it real. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, my kid uh, won't stop with the your mom jokes. Well, uh, I guess the only thing that I'll throw in there is that I had a pretty fantastic uh, movie-going experience with the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, I saw it too. Um, so I got tickets ahead of time for opening day, uh, Wednesday. We t- took the kids right after school, took them home, dropped off their backpacks, and then just went straight out to the movie theater. We went to the, the Tilton, um, which is really nice now. They, they've done a wonderful How job. How did that theater win this war? I know, right? It was closed for so long. It was and then the crappy like... one when I was little, and we went to the Town 16, mm-hmm. and then the, was it, Hoyts or whatever, the one over, yeah, the, the good one opened up. Yeah. And then Town 16, what, like, intentionally burned itself down or something? Yeah, they're just not there anymore. That, and that then the Hoyts one is going out of business now, too. Yeah. So somehow Tilton is the winner? Well, Tilton was closed for a long time, and then they reopened, like, they renovated the whole thing. And made it into a like so like the the one that the the Hamilton Commons one's closing because that company's in trouble, not because that location's doing poorly. Although like that location is not great. It's just you go there and you poke a computer and then you go see your movie and move on with your life. But like the Tilton, like you go you talk to people and they're those silly commercials that they have in front of the movies where they're like these people love movies and they're going to talk to you about movies when you're there. And like, you, you talk to somebody and you go get your seats and they're big and comfy. Like that's what the Tilton is now. It's like, it felt like this whole movie going experience, which was super fun because we had never done that with the kids. We had taken them to the, the Hamilton commons one. And it's just like, you know, you go there, you see a movie on a big screen, but like, man, we went to this one and they got the reclining seats. The kids are thrilled about it. And like, Everyone behind the counter was excited because the movie was opening, and they were like, "Do you want the the fancy popcorn with the 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 silly Super Mario bucket?" Like, sure, let's do it. And they, everyone was enthusiastic and having a good time. Like, the customer service was great. It was just a totally magical experience. And on top of the fact, the movie was freaking great. It was so much fun. The kids were the kids were thrilled with it. They they absolutely loved it. They we we got the soundtrack straight away. Uh downloaded that as soon as it showed up on the internet so John could listen to Peaches over and over again. And the freaking <laughs> Super Mario Super Show rap. Mm-hmm. He he like he thinks that's great. He listens to it over and over and I'm like, "Man, man, if you had any idea how weird that show was cuz like I showed it to him once when he was really little. <laughs> it's like that show does not hold up at all." Yeah. Um but yeah, it was a uh, I appreciated so much about that movie. Like the critics kind of tore it apart for a lot of the things that I enjoyed about it. Like I get that it's not a Pixar movie and I was really okay with that because as much as I love Pixar movies, sometimes movies need to not be that, especially kids movies. Like there has to be some kids movies that don't involve heavy stuff. And like there was a little bit of that stuff in there. You know, some, some light daddy issues is, 
required by law <laughs> in uh, kids' movies, but they they kind of went over that stuff pretty quickly. When watching movies with my kids, especially live-action movies, but it also happens a lot with kids' movies, the moment things get too talky, they're kind of checking out. And, you know, when you go to a movie theater, that, that happens a lot, too. You see other kids just things start getting talky and some of the smaller kids in the theater, they just start wandering around or doing whatever else because there's nothing fancy and fun, exciting and colorful and explosive happening on screen. So I'm going to do something else, but it never happened. And our, our theater was packed and it never happened. Like every kid in the theater was just into it the whole time. It was, you know, a couple of like brief moments of like a kid having to say something or whatever, but it was the kids watching a movie. They were still engaged with the movie. Um, and I, I I really appreciated that. I appreciated that it was a short movie. It uh it just it didn't take itself seriously in any in any meaningful way that like made it seem like it was more than it was. It was just it was filled with fan service. Um, I'm a fan. I like being serviced, so that did, didn't bother me at all. And so are my kids. They they caught half the references because you know they're related to me. So of course they caught the caught half the references. I don't know, man. I don't think I could have been reasonably much happier with that movie. I All I wanted out of that movie when they announced it was for it to not suck. And I got my wish. It did not suck. It was not a bad movie. And that's that that, that was it was a joyous movie. It was a it was a somewhat vapid movie, but it was made with so much love and care that it was it's all about the execution like a lot sometimes the content doesn't matter as much when the when the execution is that good so that's that's where i fell on it uh obviously there was a lot of uh there was the the reviews that you would expect to see of like hey the uh the old super mario brothers movie is actually better than this one actually who's saying that oh you better believe like that the glasses pushed up their nose. Uh, the, the 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 elitists. Oh, that was that was a thing the, that was out there. The, it was trying the to make Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo one. Yes, and anybody who said that, and I I commented every place that I saw any way that anytime somebody tried to bring something up like that up to me is that is not a person to be taken seriously <laughs> because if you're gonna try to intellectually prove to me that that movie was in any way better than the new movie, you're just wrong. And it all came from this place of like, you know, it's really not as bad as, as you think it is. And it's, it tried to do something really bold and it tried to, it tried to really stick out and, and do something different. No, it didn't. And you clearly don't know what you're talking about because that movie tried to be Batman 89. That was the point. That's why it wound up being what it was. They were just trying to ape Tim Burton. With the Super Mario Brothers license, that they weren't being brave and bold. They were trying to rip something else off, and they freaking failed. That I, I, this is coming from somebody who loves that movie. I do. I have deep love for that stupid movie because it's awful. But it's a weird live action Super Mario Brothers movie. How can I not love it? But I stopped watching the Oscars because they snubbed that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn right. <laughs> I, the movie's a mess. That it it is a disaster from top to bottom. There's so few redeeming qualities in that movie. So for the handful of people with very loud voices jumping in their reviews talking about how this new movie is just it plays it super safe and it's it's uh, it's it's only gonna do 
the fact that it's smashing all these projections, I, I had thought months and months and months ago, I was like, there's no way this movie doesn't make a billion dollars worldwide. If it's even halfway competent, there's no way it doesn't because the Super Mario brand is so freaking huge now. It's ridiculous. And so, of course, like the projections were like, yeah, it's it's probably going to be like the second or third best movie, uh, best opening weekend for uh, an Illumination film. And it's like it's already so far past that. It's ridiculous. It's already I think as of yesterday, it had crossed well over the 700 million mark and it hadn't opened in, I think, China or Japan yet. Like, and I I hear tell Mario is pretty popular in Japan, so I I have a suspicion this movie's gonna it's gonna break the billion mark. Uh, it's already the highest grossing movie of the year, I think. Like it beat Quantumania. Um, yeah, it's, it's a huge success, and I'm very happy about it. I'm scared about a couple of things, but that's a that's a podcast for another podcast. Yeah, I um, it was also packed when I saw it. Um, uh. Yeah, it's funny. Uh when when it when it when when he knew it was out, Nate was like, Are we seeing it? Are we gonna see it this weekend? Which is kinda weird because he hadn't really been um he hadn't really had a lot to say about it before that point. Like I didn't think he was excited to see it. Uh we've we've mostly been more excited in this household about the summer's offering of uh uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Um, so we've been... Oh, damn, that's this summer, isn't it? Yeah, it's in August. I felt like that was so, so much farther off, but yeah, that is this year. So we, like, we've been watching that trailer and, like, talking about wanting to see that. Um, so then when he was like, yeah, you know, Mario, I was like, all right, so we all got tickets, and, like, yeah, the theater was completely packed. Um, and I, I was a little worried because I had, you know, I mean, I usually don't have any expectations going into things, but, uh... Like the the reviews seem to be like, oh, it's like it doesn't seem to have much of a plot, but like I, I don't know, I t- I totally disagreed. Like, uh, uh, I I I think it, I think you're totally right, Chris. Like, it was mainly a movie for kids, and I think it had a lot of uh fun Easter eggs and you know weird references and stuff for adults, and you know I think there's a lot. There's a lot of Mario uh uh mythology. There's like games and games worth of like content and references and characters. And like if you tried to jam it all in there, it wouldn't have made a very cohesive movie. Like I think it I think they put the right amount of stuff in there. You know, like a lot of people were mm-hmm. like, Ooh, but where was this character? Where was that character? And it's like you can't just like fill the thing with moment after moment of just things that you want to see because it doesn't always make a movie, you know, like I th- yeah, save something for the sequels yeah, too. I think they put the right amount of things in there to like, make it a fun experience. Like I thought it was, I thought it was really fun. Uh, my, my favorite part was when they were racing the Mario carts and then Donkey Kong just leaned over to Mario and he was like, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. I, I loved that, that, that Luma, uh, Lumily, that was just like really dark. Oh yeah, the, the sweet, <laughs> very happy and just saying terrible things. The sweet release of death. <laughs> that was a good time. I I loved so much about that movie. Um, I I I do am curious to see where where it goes from here. I uh, I I you know I want to see them make sequels. I want. I, I thought the voice cast was really great. I thought everybody in it was great. I thought um, geez, I had a thought now. It just 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 flew away. Uh, oh, the music. That was the thing that bothered me. There was one piece of music 
that really annoyed me. And then I came home and found out why. So, like, the, obviously they shoved licensed music in there. Like, No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Obviously, they're running around Brooklyn. Sure, go for it. The one That stuff was fine. I Need a Hero, sure. That's been done to death. But it still kind of worked. It was, it was fine. It was, it was fun enough. So, the soundtrack was released, like, officially released on iTunes, like, the day or two after the movie came out. And that's when people realized that there was a bunch of music on the soundtrack that wasn't in the movie. And all those scenes that had licensed music in them had actual music composed for those scenes. That was then presumably ripped out at the last minute by the studio, who was like, no, we need to fit licensed music in there. Now, on, on one hand, I'm thrilled they went with the music that they did, because when you look at other movies like the Sonic the Hedgehog movies or something. Uh, anytime you get one of those movies that shoves whatever the latest and greatest pop trend is in there, and then they feel super dated if and when uh, that stuff doesn't become timeless. Like, they only used licensed music that has already stood the test of time. So the movie feels way more timeless. Like, I go back to those Sonic movies, like, not only am I always going to be pissed at those movies for not being Sonic movies, right? You, you saw the Sonic movies, right? I, I haven't seen them. All right, so the first Sonic movie starts in this fantastic... It looks like the first level of Sonic the Hedgehog, right? You're in this fantastical world, and Sonic's running around. There's a loop-de-loop, and they've got music by the, the band Hyper Potions that does a lot of the advertising stuff for modern Sonic games. It is, it, it's amazing. It looks so cool and so fun. And then they go to Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> because, like just about every video game movie up to that point as well, nobody had faith in the source material. It was like, okay, well, sure, we'll get the Sonic license and we'll do, we'll do rings and chili dogs, but we gotta we gotta ground it. We gotta do something that's gonna make audiences like it. And it's like, no, you don't, because audiences already like this. They want to see this movie. They don't want to see this character in our world. Yeah, you know, that's what there's been like three trillion resident evil movies and none of them have directly adapted a resident evil game that has a freaking script it's all right there just make the game a script most of them had actors you know <laughs> make the game into a movie and then what is it uh the last of us comes out and they basically just made a tv show of the game and everyone's like wow this is really freaking good and I'm like yeah you just adapt the game and then you do you just adapt the source material that's all you needed to do and the Mario movie did that. It just, it, they made a Mario-ass Mario movie. It was goofy as hell, didn't make any sense within the real grip of reality. It was fine. But the thing that teased me off, getting back to the music, the one that stuck out like a sore thumb was when they got on the, the they went to Donkey Kong Island, and that big Kong grabs him on the cart and then starts driving, and they start playing Take On Me. Oh, yeah. I'm like, okay. This is weird. I like this song. I like this scene. But these do not make any sense together. This is a very strange music choice, and it really took me out of the movie. And then I get home, and I download the soundtrack, and there's this um, Driving Me Bananas is the name of the track, and it is this amazing, just like all that other great adaptations of the Mario music that you got throughout the course of the movie, they did this amazing rendition of Donkey Kong Country music for that whole scene, and it is flawless. It is amazing. People very quickly had bootlegs of the movie and the, just that scene and then played that music over top of it. 
it like drops out when the guy falls down and the, the parachute comes up. Like it is perfect. And whoever, whoever made that decision to take that Donkey Kong country music out, but take on me there should be punished by the law. <laughs> <laughs> that, that should be a punishable offense. It is so wrong. That original track is so much better. It's, it's obscene outside of that though. That's what's been going on with me. as far as movies are concerned. I mean, obviously it didn't, the Mandalorian finale was today, and that was made me so so happy. I haven't seen it. Uh, don't say anything. You know, I did skip. I don't know if we've all seen it, but uh, we did take my dad to see the new Ant Man movie. Did everybody see Quantum Mania? Yeah. yeah, I loved it. I, oh, me too. I loved it. I they look they spoiler alert spoiler alert. I mean, we're going to talk about Weekend at Bernie's too. So spoiler <laughs> alert on that one. But the uh, the Ant Man movie they brought in Modok. I fucking love Modok. I've loved Modok <laughs> for years. And you want to talk about a ridiculous character that has no, no, no right, no right to be in anything ever. And they did a great job with him. They 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 oh. just owned it. They were like, well, this is fucking ridiculous. So we're just gonna have to go ridiculous on it. And they did. And he was such a dick. Such a, I'm such a dick. Already such a dick. It was oh. so good. Uh, it was everything. I felt like the movie was everything they got right uh, out of a Scott Lang Ant Man um, in the first two movies, and they just gave me more of that. And they moved the Kang plot along a little bit. And I don't know. I'm. It, was it the best Marvel movie ever? No. But did I absolutely sit there and enjoy myself for two hours? I absolutely did. So. Yeah, same here. I freaking loved Quantumania. Yeah. I, I had so much fun. And then, of course, I came out of the theater and jumped on the internet where everyone was talking about how it was, how it was terrible. I'm like, ah, what's wrong with you? I was no. saying you didn't do MODOK justice. Like, what do you didn't mean do you didn't Modoc do MODOK justice? justice? Like, what are you going to do? Like, really, what are you going to do? Stop I, that. I drank my coffee this morning from a coffee cup not just with modok on it but it's shaped like modok right <laughs> it's like i'm holding a modok right i've built live life-size life-size costumes for people to be pushed around in of modok right like i i challenge you to find someone who cares more about modok than me and i'm telling you that 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 was a great adaptation brilliantly done it was well genius played. the well effect played. on his face was really bizarre but I kind of feel like that was intentional. I just kind of I can't shake the feeling that that was the point. Like, this is insane. This is completely absurd. Let's go with it. Yeah, I know. I hate to say this. I I didn't love it. Um, oh, yeah, oh, bummer. Uh, I mean, I did like Modok. Like, I thought I thought Modok was funny, and I thought I thought um, I, I thought that was just weird and perfect enough to be in one of those Ant Man movies. Um, but uh. Yeah, I didn't love it, and honestly, I don't know that it had anything to do with the choices that they made. Like, in general, I think I think all the choices that they've made after Endgame have been, like, pretty right on, you know? Like, like Endgame, as much as it felt like a ending, because it's called Endgame, as much as it felt like a finale, like, it was when it was at the height of their popularity, so, like using it to sort of springboard into this Disney Plus stuff where they could tell different types of stories, I think was smart. I think, um, you know, I think starting the next phase being sort of the thing about the multiverse and, you know, and and sort of like putting second and third movies to the 
movies that didn't get them in you know before Endgame has been smart. Um, I think making a fourth Thor movie was smart because like that you know like like he was he's sort of the last of the Avengers that you know the original Avengers that was still with this franchise. Um, I think Kang as a as the villain is smart and like leading up to a like two part Kang story like literally all the choices that they made I've been like yeah this is smart like do this but I just don't think every movie has like hooked me in the way it has you know like we already kind of talked about Love and Thunder a little bit like it just it didn't do it for me the way that Ragnarok did it you know and like this Ant Man movie like all the like I feel like all the choices were right. But like I just felt like everybody was phoning it in, you know. Like I felt like I felt like they put, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, and uh, 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 what's his face, um, Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Oh, Bill Murray was like pointless in the movie. Um, he was that. He felt uh, he he. That's my well. I'm a huge Bill Murray fan. My my only complaint about the movie is is he was wasted, like. What was the point of bringing him in for that scene? You could have yeah, used. Yeah, like, I concur. Yeah, that, that could he, have been anyone. That character could have could completely have been, been cut. Um, but, right. Yeah. But okay. yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer, like Michael Douglas, like it just it, it felt like they put him in some big green warehouse somewhere, like probably not even all on the same day, and they just kind of they just kind of read some lines. Like it didn't it didn't feel didn't feel like anybody was invested in it. <laughs> like that, that was my that's my beef with the movie. So here's here's a beef from my little sister. Uh, she was like, they did they did one stupid movie thing that lots of stupid movies do, where like, and it was it was pissing her off the whole time. Like Michelle Pfeiffer just wouldn't tell them what was going on. Ah, oh, yeah. She was like, yeah. "I'll tell you later." It's like you're just walking. Just tell them just now. Tell, yeah, <laughs> just, just tell them now. Just no, I'm, tell I, them. I get that. I I hear that. It's like I, I can't tell you now, but just trust me, and we'll get to it. Just, but then we're cutting to another scene because you've got a boring walk to do. Just fucking now with it. Now's the time. Let everyone know everything. Right. Tell yeah. them the plan. I, I will. I will concede that point as well. But yeah, I, overall, I I genuinely oh. loved it. I thought it was so much fun. Wonderful. Left that, wonderful. Left experience. the theater with a big dumb smile on my face. Yep. Well, speaking of big and dumb, let's get to work, huh? Ah. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> so, uh, weekend at Bernie's too. Let's see. Uh. Sean and I watched the... Uh, I'll explain it first, and then I'll go into that. Weekend at Bernie's 2 was released on July 9th, 1993, and was distributed by TriStar Pictures. It was written and directed by Robert Klain. He hasn't directed much, but he's written a decent number of screenplays, including for National Lampoon's European Vacation, The Odd Couple, Together Again, and the original Weekend at Bernie's. The film stars Andrew McCarthy, Jonathan Silverman, Terry Kaiser, and Barry Bostwick tells the story of a pair of greedy businessmen stealing a corpse to try and make a bunch of money, while a pair of thugs also steal the same corpse with a voodoo curse to also make a bunch of money. Uh, Sean and I watched this with Karen and Greg. Uh, we had to watch it in my basement because we viewed it via nefarious means, but not our normal ones, because for some reason the movie wasn't working with Evan's Plex server that night. Works now, but it uh, wasn't available then. I torrented it myself. So I donned my own eye patch and pirate ship uh, because I didn't want to spend 16 freaking dollars to buy it digitally on Amazon, which is the only way to get it in, you know, instantly through through the Internet right now. Look at the set of balls on Amazon. $16. Uh, and I no longer appear to have, the, have it on DVD. I had this on DVD. Uh, they were giving them away 
<laughs> it was some sort of like promotion. Everywhere. Yeah. They were giving them away. And I got Weekend at Bernie's one and two. And like, I seem to have this vague memory of giving away at least one of them. But I guess I must have given away both of them because I, I went looking through my old collections here and even my VHS tapes, I got. I got nothing. So at one uh, point, Blockbuster would just slide a copy of Weekend Bernie's two in your back pocket on your way out the door. How the tables have turned! At one point, they were giving them away, and now you can only get it for fourteen bucks on Amazon. Sixteen, sixteen bucks. Absolutely, absolutely bananas. Uh, Sean, uh, Sean handled the uh, food and drink situation. Well, Sean and Greg to talk talk about what you did. Well, it was weekend at Bernie's too, so I knew we were going to the islands. I've already forgotten which one: Saint Vincent, Thomas. Croy, Virgin Islands, I think. Whatever. U.S. Virgin Islands. So we did, uh, we did uh, some mojitos from scratch because I love me a mojito, and if there's any excuse for a mojito, we that's that's where we're going. And uh, Greg brought fruit, so we had little bits of, I don't remember what watermelon fruit it was. and pineapple. pineapple. Yeah, and our... I drank pineapple juice. Right, right. Uh, so yeah, we got into the theme of this movie. He was asking for. <laughs> nice. See the way it was dressed. It was asking. <laughs> yeah that was uh that was our situation i had oh, a similar problem to you guys um i think that i so i had i had planned on watching both of them just because like that's usually what i do um i had just watched weekend at bernie's not that long ago i think back in december so like the first one was pretty fresh with me um but i was like <laughs> unlike bernie hat <laughs> um but uh but yeah I was like all right you know I'm sure I can I'm sure I can find this one um and uh and I, I think I looked for it pretty early you know I think like like right after we recorded the last episode was when I was like oh let's see where I can find this and that was when like usually I just give my money to Apple like I have an Apple TV it's usually easy for me to just rent stuff that way it was not there um I too saw the same thing that it was 16 bucks on Amazon I was like I'm not doing that um, and then I even was like, you know what I'll do? I'll go to, you know, Netflix, the good old, like, mail me the disc Netflix and be like, send it to me. And it wasn't there. Like, I, <laughs> I, I tried to add it and it was like, it, you know, like, and I was like, I don't know where I'm going to get this movie. Right. And so I'm thinking about it and I was like, I'm going to you know, like, I had the idea, like, all right, maybe I'll look for a DVD somewhere. Like maybe I'll go to the, the disc exchange or something and see if somebody's got it. Right. And then I was like, you know what? Like, I feel like, I feel like this is a movie my brother would have. Like this is just <laughs> weird and dumb enough that like, I bet he's got this movie. So it's like, I'm going to see if he's got it and I can borrow it from him. So, you know, I call him one night, we're talking, whatever, and I was like, yeah, I was like, for the podcast, I gotta watch Weekend at Bernie's 2. I was like, do you have that movie? And he was like, yeah, you gave it to me for Christmas one year. And I was like, wow, that seems like something I would do. That's probably why I thought that you had the movie. And he was like, all right, like, you know, give me some time to find it. Like, we don't watch a lot of DVDs anymore. Like... I'll find it and I'll lend it to you. And I'm like, all right, cool. So like Easter came and went where I saw him. He didn't give it to me then. So I was like, eh, I don't know like, where I'm going to get this movie. And so back over the weekend, like Sunday or yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, I guess it was like Sunday. Um, He calls me and he's like, he's like, I'm looking for the DVD. I guess like when they moved, he didn't, they didn't like unpack their like CDs and DVDs. Cause that, you know, they're just streaming everything. So he's like, I'm looking for it where I think it should be. And he's like, I can't find it. 
And I'm like, oh my god, you know. And then he's like, he's like, I know I have them both somewhere. You know, we're just not watching a lot of DVDs. It's down here. I can't find it. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'll figure something out. And like, we were about to hang up the phone. And he's like, yeah, I'm really sorry. I just, oh, wait a minute. And I was like, what, what? And he's like, found it. And I was like, yes. So right, right <laughs> while I was talking to him, he found Weekend at Bernie's 2. And then he drove it by my house. And uh, Weekend at Bernie's 2, bringing families together yeah. for over 30 years. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I watched it on a, a DVD that my brother found in his basement, um, and I, uh, I ate uh, fried rice and sushi and crab rangoon, which had nothing oh. to do with the movie. It's just what I ate. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, um, so I definitely have seen this one before. I, I definitely rented this a bunch when I was a kid, but it has been a long time. This is a weird movie. <laughs> it's a, it was. I'm not gonna say I didn't laugh because I did. The, the the there's definitely comedy here to be had, but they're um they're very very cavalier with with the corpse. You know, like nobody really seems to be too bothered by the fact that there's a corpse, and nobody seems to be too uh turned off by the just very matter of fact existence of black magic and voodoo. Uh, you know, that's, that's just a thing. That just works. That's, that's just straight up real. This, this movie Um, would not have survived without black magic and voodoo. Like, (laughs) as I was watching it and thinking about it, I was like, you take away this voodoo, you got no movie. Like, this was the only thing that made this movie possible. It's the only way that they could have made a sequel to this. That and the 90s societal demand for more corpse abuse that's what the 90s wanted they were like where where are the people really just abusing a corpse for my amusement and this movie was like we got you it delivered we got you also and i i it's been a long time since i've seen the original one but uh none of the main characters no nobody was likable like those main character guys are awful they're just they're just terrible people. They're not good guys. I think so the one that you were supposed to like in the first one, right? This movie takes place days after that first movie. Yeah. That first one ends with him getting the girl that he was trying to get the whole time. Uh, what's her name? Who's in a bunch of 80s movies, right? And now this movie's taking place like two days later, three days later. Like they, it starts with them identifying the corpse in the morgue. So yeah, I, I, it can't be that much. It, right. We're talking the same basic I, time frame here. I think they were still wearing the same clothes they got off the plane in. I think, I, I, I think it's like a day after this movie. ends, And he is just like, like they don't even, it's not even like, Oh, she can't come. And then we'll just focus on the other guy and his love interest, which is that other girl. But the yeah, this guy's just completely moved on from girl that we, in theory, were rooting for him to get that whole first movie. You know, like we were certainly <laughs> supposed to have tall guys back in the first movie, right? He was the the everyman. Mm-hmm. I, I think. So, yeah. I think they were a lot more. I think. I think they were both a lot more likable in the first movie. Um, I. I. Uh, so I. You know, I know I've seen this movie before, but I bet, you know, I bet I've only seen it like once before. Like, I've seen the first one a bunch of times, a bunch of times. Like, I, you know, like I said, I just watched it in December. Like, every now and then, I'm like, I should watch Weekend at Bernie's. Um, uh, It's, like, that movie is just weirdly fun. Like, it's, 
it's stupid, but it's, you know, it's just a, it's a good time. But the weird novel concept, yeah. the title makes sense because they spend the weekend at Bernie's, and whereas they don't in the sequel. And and I mean, I'm I'm sure we're gonna get back to this, but I think, I mean, I I think one of the things that I love every time I watch it is Bernie. Like like oh my god, that's that he's he's outstanding. Yeah, watching the, the watching... physical comedy of Terry Kaiser is a uh... yeah. It was hard not to talk about it at all while watching it with Chris, but like that man could have gotten a, a serious award for this movie. Uh, the first one too, like the physical comedy and the fact that like, I, I know it's a stupid movie and it's a stupid concept and I get that. I do. But when you're watching the movie and you got your suspension of disbelief as high as it'll go, you're like really trying to meet this movie halfway. <laughs> right. And all of a sudden his body starts moving and you're like, Oh, the dead bodies dance into the, the, the the music i get it because of the black magic and you're like that's a human being who's who's been told to act like a dead body that's possessed by black magic and dances <laughs> forward when it hears the music and this guy nailed it i'm like yeah you that's that's what that would look like nailed it yeah he, so he's award he's amazing you know i, I actually want to know more about him right like i want to know like was he a dancer? You know, like what, like what was his sort of like physical background? Because like, you know, in the first one, he doesn't have to do all this voodoo dancing like he does in this one. But like in the first one, it's a, it seems like it's this different kind of skill where he has to, he has to do the funny acting while act while being dead. You know, like he had, like there, there is still a lot of physicality to what he's doing. And he, you know, he, sells these like like physical gags even though part of the gag is him being inanimate and other people controlling him you know so like he he's definitely like highly skilled at controlling his body um which is amazing i think part of his background is he was on a couple episodes of night court <laughs> that, that's 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 his background <laughs> yeah i mean that's the only relevant I, I could be wrong but if i'm not mistaken he plays like the the scumbag lawyer right or not lawyer scumbag uh, reporter right in like the first couple seasons uh well let's see kaiser was born on august 1st 1939 in elmhurst illinois and was raised in omaha nebraska he attended the university of kansas where he received a football scholarship and graduated in 1962 with a degree in industrial engineering. None of that sounds right. <laughs> Nothing you just said. If you said, where was this guy born? I ain't saying Kansas. I don't think he's got an industrial engineering degree. Is that what you said? Yep, and yep. I, I wouldn't have guessed football player. Yeah. None of this is right. Yeah, That's yeah. not his IMDb. That's your IMDb, you asshole. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, after that, he uh, went into acting. Uh, he quit his... A few years later, on the advice of a drama teacher, he made the decision to quit his engineering profession in order to pursue acting full-time and moved to New York City in 1965. He joined the Actors Studio and worked with Lee Strasberg. And, and yeah, he's got, like, soap operas, The Doctors, Three's Company, Love Boat, Night Court, Night Maud, Court, there Golden it is. Girls. I knew it. Yeah, this dude's done a lot. And a lot thank God for that drama teacher. Like, without that drama teacher, we'd probably have the world's best engineer and, like, no weekend at Bernie's. Like, Yeah, I don't think this realize, movie gets made without this guy. Yeah. You realize there's a lot of problems on the planet. Good engineers might be really helpful. But then we wouldn't have weekend at Bernie's. All right. All right. I mean... Yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. but... You're right. Thank I, God for the guy. I, I mean, I guess, I guess if I could circle back to... 
what I was saying before I started praising the crap out of Terry Kaiser. Um, uh, the, the, so like this movie just started, like it, it didn't, it didn't really, didn't really ease you in. Didn't really, you know, didn't really, uh, introduce itself and shake your hand. It just was like, bam, we're here, you know? And, uh, and I think because of that, you didn't have, you didn't have time to like those guys and you didn't have time to, I, I don't know. You, 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 you didn't have the time to capture any of the magic that you did with the first one, you know, like with the first one, the, the guys are playing the same characters, but I think, I think they are more likable and more relatable because the, um, I, I, I'd have to look at each actor's name. Uh, what is the is the black haired guy Jonathan Silverman? Yeah, that sounds right. The tall guy. Yeah, the straight I believe, man. I believe I that think is that's correct. Jonathan Silverman. Yeah, yeah. Because the other one's Andrew McCarthy. Yeah, okay. Andrew McCarthy's the right is the the, the blonde haired guy. Um, the eighties businessman. Yeah. So 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 like Jonathan Silverman, like being the straight laced guy, is like not on board with any of this stuff, you know. And and Andrew McCarthy has to talk him into it. And like I feel like with the the premise of Weekend at Bernie's, it's it's not, you know, it's not like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna desecrate a corpse. It's like <laughs> it, it's like listen, if we can just get to the next thing, like if you just pretend with me long enough that we can get to this point, then we're cool. And then it's like, listen, I know that was that was crazy, and I, I hate to make you do this again, but if you could just pretend with me a little longer, then we get here, you know? And, like, that's what makes you like Weekend at Bernie's, is because you, you take this journey with them. You two go, I don't know, guys, but all right, I guess you just do this one thing, and you didn't expect it to, like, spiral and into by this... The- nonsense and by the time you were out by the time you were like no no one would do this then there was like a hitman after them so then they were like using the corpse to save their own lives right and then you're like yeah all right i get that i'm back in right you know it's like all right we got to keep them with us or we're gonna get shot sure and then also with the first movie you saw bernie terry kaiser as a living person in the beginning of the movie and then you saw him as a corpse and so like because he was kind of a dickhead you're like you know, you're a little bit like, all right, they're, you know, like, not that he deserved it or anything, but it's, it, it's sort of, it, it, all of these ingredients make that first movie work. And the first movie also, I, I, I could see saying that it started a little slow because they really spent a little bit of time on the exposition at the beginning of the first movie. I watched it not too long ago. Uh, the, but all those opening scenes, like the opening credits, it's like, uh, Silverman, the straight lace guy, he's like sitting on the street corner in the heat, waiting for his buddy to pick him up or something. And then it's them on top of the roof, like this like melting tar yeah, with all on the their, tar like, getting all over the reports and stuff. So like they they spend enough time presenting a case for like these are the downtrodden, right? Like I know he's like an accountant at a big company, but like clearly he's the low man on the totem pole. He is the underdog, and when you add that to 
Bernie being such a dick, then all of a sudden you you can get behind them a little bit more. You don't feel as bad about it. But you're right. This movie was just like, hope you saw the first one, motherfucker, because here we go. Yeah, I mean, with this we're movie, they, stuff they start stuff at an 11. Fridge. You know, they start completely <laughs> dialed up to an 11. And it's just like, we got to get that money. Get the corpse and get back on a plane, you know? And you're like... Yeah, they didn't steal the corpse in the first one. It was, this is where we are. We got to deal with this. This yeah. opens with them breaking into a government building and stealing a corpse. That's a that's a reach. Yeah. And they and folded him up, stuffed him into a bag, folded him up even more to stuff him in I don't, a I don't know how they got him through fridge. customs. Like, how did they... There's no customs. There's... They explain this. Yeah. They explain there's no customs because it's part of America. Oh, okay. Plus, it's pre-9-11, as we pointed out the other day, so... You know, yeah. they're not checking. They're not checking what's inside the bag. In a pre nine eleven world, you could mail a corpse to the Virgin Islands. <laughs> <laughs> you could bring fireworks on a plane <laughs> with a rabid dog and uh, all the bootleg copies of Weekend at Birdie Two. You could hold. And nobody cared. Yeah, I, but wait, I, I think the fact that they start dialed up at an eleven, like you know, stealing the corpse and going to the Virgin Islands, and that and that he starts. Already dead, not, you know, like his his acting that he has to do is be a voodoo guy and dance. Um, well, don't don't we get introduced to the voodoo stuff before they steal the corpse? Like, isn't that the whole opening of the movie is like this voodoo lady sends these dudes and like threatens to turn them into goats or something like it's a super strange turn of events that, yeah. that gets you to that point because they have to. They have to go to the morgue, you know, a sort of essentially see Bernie off to the morgue, then go to work the next day and get fired, um, uh, you know, finding out that there is this money that that Bernie had embezzled and is in this Virgin Islands account somewhere. And while they're coming up with this plan, the voodoo guys or the the guys that are sent by the voodoo woman have to steal Bernie from the morgue, do a incantation that will reanimate him and let him lead them to the money, which he would have automatically done if they had done it right with a chicken and not used a pigeon. And the pigeon is what made it so that he only did it when music was playing. And then they had to lose him so that he ended up back in the morgue for the guys to steal. Like that was right. that was some Herculean writing to make this <laughs> yeah. all. No, actually, work. yeah, I was just gonna say that's solid writing. They were like, we gotta get from point A to point four. That's not <laughs> even in the same chain of events. And they made it work. But there's like three or four things that you just glossed over, right? That I think we have to go back to for a hot second. Number one, number one, when they take him out of the morgue, the 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 let's say the heroes of the movie, right? Our guys, uh, they they make it a point to steal all Silverman's clothes and put them on Bernie, right? And at the time, you're like, all right, I guess he 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 needs some clothes. And then Andrew McCarthy proceeds to stuff him in a suitcase, folding him in half and jumping up and down on him, right? You know, again, little corpse desecration for the people, for the masses. Which you know? I kinda, Give them what they want. I kind of liked watching him do that, too, because like, you could totally see that there was a hole in the floor 
there was a dummy in the suitcase and that like Terry Kaiser had just like stuck his head up into the suitcase. Like it was, it was pretty Look, amazing. But anyway, go on. Everything about that was amazing. The question is, and again, suspension of disbelief dialed up to 11. I am working with you on the voodoo situation, right? I'm on board, right? Why did they have to put clothes on him? Why did they have to steal Silverman's clothes and put them on him if they were just going to stuff him in the suitcase? He was like, go get that shoes off that corpse. Your plan is to stuff him. You brought the suitcase. You know you're stuffing this body in the suitcase. If anybody sees this body, you're going to jail. Why did we need to put shoes on this body? That's just going to make him bulkier in the suitcase. Yeah, it didn't make any sense once you saw McCarthy putting him in the suitcase. You could have put a naked body in the suitcase. Wouldn't have made a damn lick of difference. So... That's number one. Number two, when the voodoo guys or the guys sent by the voodoo lady are on the subway with Bernie, how are they going to know when to get off the subway? They didn't know the money was on the island. They reincantated, reincantated, they did an incantation to reanimate the corpse. Let's go with reincantated. They reincantated this corpse <laughs> and then they were just supposed to follow it to the money. But yeah, they then they got on the subway. subway. How would they know when to get off? They were also real cavalier about leaving them on that subway train. They're like, oh no, they stole my boombox. And both of them go running after Well, them. sure. Well, he, they he just couldn't lost leave them anywhere course. without the boombox. So they were trying to get the boombox. Leaving him yeah, on but the subway they just got was off an a unfortunate train. byproduct. That was like, well, only one of them needed to go after the boombox. The other, like, they just lost him a few minutes ago, right? Like, didn't they have just lo- just lost the corpse and then they just got him back? I, 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 I fail to see that even these two goons would have, uh, you know, just left the corpse behind on the train. Like, they knew the train was going to start moving again. But here All I All of these are good points. Yeah. Now, the other thing we glossed over, and Chris pointed this out while we were watching it. In the scene right before that, when they lose the chicken, they're crawling on the floor of the porno theater. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and one of the men, the taller one, the Chong. I'm gonna. He was kind of reminiscent of a Chong. Fair enough. Uh, he eats a bunch of popcorn that he sees on the floor on of the, the floor porno of theater. The porno theater. Yes. Which is, I don't even know that they sold popcorn at porno theaters, but let's assume that they do, and <laughs> let's assume that this guy ate that, which is horrifying. And that's the joke, and I get it. That's not the good joke. That's the setup for the good joke. Because the good joke, as Chris pointed out, was the guy who got angry at it. There's a guy who goes, hey, that's my popcorn. (laughs) Now, that right there is either the best improv line by an extra ever or really solid writing. I mean, just to like you set up the joke, the gross joke. We get it. It's funny. And then you're like, what if the guy sitting there goes, hey. That's my popcorn. <laughs> so uh, I, I 100% agree with you. Uh, I guess I kind of feel like for a movie that really wasn't that funny, I definitely laughed a lot. <laughs> um, I I laughed at that popcorn thing. I also laughed when they go to look for the chicken and there's the guy watching the porno movie with a chicken. And he's this like, my chicken. no, this is my chicken. Like, he came with me. Like, I laughed at that. And then I, I wrote this down. I I didn't, 
I don't know why I wrote it down, but thinking about it, I think I know where this happened. I think when they're buying the tickets to the porno theater, they say, like, she says, how many people? And at first they say two. And then I think they said three and a half because it's like them and Bernie and the chicken. <laughs> right? <laughs> Did they say that? <laughs> Something like that. They they did say one number and then another. <sighs> just just wild. Uh, how did it end? I can't remember. Really remember how they wrapped it all up. It just kind of it just kind of stopped real quick. <laughs> the movie movie stopped moving. Well, let's, wait, before we skip to the end, let's keep talking about the beginning. Uh, did, <laughs> did anybody think it was weird that it started with that like animation? Oh, uh, not for the time when this yeah, came it was out. the early nineties. Pretty common thing. We we made the comment while watching it that uh, we really wish they had done a weekend at Bernie's the animated series. <laughs> and <laughs> genuinely surprised they didn't. Yeah, I mean, how many Jim Carrey animated series came out in the early nineties? There was a Dumb and Dumber. There was The Mask. There was Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura did not. That was not something that should have been on Saturday mornings. Like that's not okay. That movie was. Not okay for little kids. Um, I bet you I'm missing one. Those three happened, and I bet I'm missing one. Um, I don't remember if it was an actual animated series, but I know there was like a series of uh, action figures that looked like it was based on some sort of aliens cartoon. Like, there was a lot of that, that, like, just straight up not for kids movie properties that then had things that were marketed directly towards children. And a weekend at Bernie's. Come on, There's Rambo no... the animated series with the Rambo toy line. Did you ever see yeah. the first Rambo movie? Yeah. It's pretty dark. Yep. Well, I guess the animated stuff was giving you more of what you were there for, which was the corpse, corpse desecration, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They knew what '90s America wanted. Mm-hmm. They yep. gave it to us. Uh, so that was the beginning of the movie. The middle of the movie plugged along. Pretty nonsensically. Uh, it just, just happens to meet this girl who is just like, oh, that's just black. Oh, you're explaining black magic. Uh, my dad's a doctor. He'll he'll know all about that. And what? She's, she seemed on board real quick. Oh, yeah. Like everybody just rolled with this whole situation. Like, let's give her the let's give her the benefit of the doubt on my dad's a professor of black magic or voodoo or whatever. OK, so you're OK with the corpse dancing. All right. We'll go with that. But then, but then you're also okay with some sort of money laundering, steal million dollar scheme they got going on, and you're still in with these two guys that you just met who you <laughs> made it pretty clear you didn't like the one night, which there was some bad editing there, because at one point, Andrew McCarthy makes it clear he's not leaving this chick's house, and we see Silverman in the conga line, inexplicably, inexplicably, he's moved on from his love of the first movie, and he wants this random blonde. And then, and then, the next scene is Andrew McCarthy sitting at a bar closing out, and the bartender's like, sorry, buddy, it's closed. And he's like, don't you have the key? And then he gives him a good tip, and the guy's like, don't worry about it, that last one's on me. And then he walks away, and I wonder myself, one, how did Andrew McCarthy get here? Two, how was this scene relevant? And three, why wasn't this edited? No, it didn't produce any further effect on the movie. Like, other than introducing a bartender character, who we didn't see again, who seemed like a pretty good bartender, I don't know. What what the hell just happened? Why did we see this? It was to show that he didn't get to stay over at 
the girl's house. That's what that was establishing. I can't think of anything else. Because the next scene, the he's next wandering. Scene does that too? Right, he's wandering into the bedroom, climbing into bed with Silverman, which was clearly meant to be funnier than it was. Yeah. I mean, they got a little bit of physical comedy out of it. It wasn't overly impressive, but yeah, it just what in the hell was that? Yeah, I remember thinking the same thing watching that scene, being like, "Well, this was weird." <laughs> I mean, you could show me a scene of like you know silverman taking a taxi to the airport with nothing happening but why why would you show me this what what was the point there wasn't even a joke yeah it wasn't even like a joke that didn't land with him and the bartender it was just some pleasantries nice bartender well let me tell you another thing about the middle of this movie that didn't work so in the first weekend at bernie's um i i think that part of the reason why, um, I think part of the reason why everyone just, nobody, nobody takes a second look at this corpse, you know, waving and water skiing and, uh, you know, all the other things that he does, right, um, is because they never really paid him much mind when he was alive, right? Like, like I, I think what you're sort of supposed to get from the first weekend at Bernie's is that all of those people are used to going to his house, are used to partying, and that they're not there for him. They're there to have a good time. And it's just like, oh, yeah, hey, Bernie. You know, like, um, I, I, I think that they got away with it because Bernie was kind of a dick and all those people were using him, right? Um, whereas in this movie it didn't make a lot of sense that there was these complete strangers that had never met Bernie before, you know, as a living person, not as a dancing corpse, right? That then were like, oh yeah, Bernie, he's a cool guy. We were dancing the other night. Like that girl that dances the Congo line with him and then walks off with him and like falls asleep with him on the beach. You know, I was like, you like, you have to really suspend your disbelief to go, uh, anybody is interested in Bernie's company at this point, you know. <laughs> you know what the the so I mean in in that lady's defense, uh, which Bernie came to, uh, when you see a dancing corpse, you don't think dancing corpse, you think living person, right? Just the the self propelled movement really just gets you ninety percent of the way to assuming the person's alive, right? I mean, so. Anytime he's conging along, everybody around, even though this movement was a little weird, you're just like, yeah, that guy's alive, right? I mean, no brainer. He's alive. <laughs> you will notice in this movie, they, they, they backed it up a minute. They were like, you know what? America really likes it when we desecrate the corpse. But that scene where that girl had sex with the corpse, a lot of people felt like we went a little too far. Let's back that up. This time, she'll just sleep with the corpse. She won't actually have sex with him. Well, he in the first movie when that woman sleeps with him, he was a lot more freshly dead. Which I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I think Rick and Mortis sets in at some point, right? Like he's actually pretty flexible in this. He's like five days dead in this second movie, and he's still like bendy. Yeah, I mean, that's good for him. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say that that makes it any better that he was, he was, <laughs> he was closer, he was closer to the date that he died then than now. I'm just. I don't know. It, they they did establish that he was rotting. I mean, they had to spray him down with some deodorant yeah, yeah. at one point, and then the girl slept with him on the beach. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. 
The middle of the movie's rough until you get to the uh, the bat repellent scene. The bat repellent scene. Uh huh. Uh huh. I felt like it was very reminiscent of when that shark came up out of the water on Adam yep. West's leg, and he yep. had to spray it down with the bat repellent. I was. I honestly thought that that shark was going to come down with the bottom half of Bernie. Oh right, nope, he's fine. <laughs> he was fine. Yeah, that was. They were like, "Where can we go from here?" And as I thought they had gone as far as they were going to go, they were like, "Nah, we're going to take this further. The shark's going to come up out of the water into the air." And I was like, all right. They got a laugh out of me. I know it's stupid. But you know what? They pushed that line. <laughs> they pushed. They were just like, let's just keep pushing. Well, and it worked. We, we've laugh. got all this money from the U.S. Virgin Islands to advertise this place. <laughs> we just got to keep making more movie. Well, I think, I think one place where the movie worked a little bit. Um, so, I mean, this was so weird. I guess talking about the middle of the movie, right? Like... Barry Bostwick was like the weirdest fucking villain. Like I I I didn't I didn't really understand what they were doing there. Like uh he follows them and then for a lot of the time he's just like walking around taking pictures, you know, like seems like seems like they didn't really know what to do with that character. Not even exclusively of them either. Yeah. Um <laughs> but then I I think I think when it started to work, when the movie started to work, and they they did try to do this three times, which I guess like you know the 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 humor in in threes is what they were going for. Although I think sometimes were more successful than others. But like when when it seemed to work was when uh, something happened with Bernie um, because. Because he was a corpse, because someone else was controlling him, or he he walked into a weird situation and then something took off because he was he was not a living person and he just had to go with that thing. And when it impacted Barry Bostwick, like where Barry Bostwick would see the thing happen, he would be like, "Oh my God, that's Bernie! How is that happening?" And then Barry Bostwick would get blamed for it, like. That was when it sort of worked, right? And You're talking about the sub scene where he tried to get out on Patty Mayonnaise, he well, was like, "I'm leaving." The first time it happened um, was had something to do with the with with when they were in the in, in the downtown and like and Andrew McCarthy and Jonathan Silverman literally just like yanked Bernie out of the back of that the the other guy's car, um, <laughs> which. Again, solid physical comedy. That that joke landed. Yeah. Like when they did that, it was funny. <laughs> so did Bernie's head. Um, oh, but uh, yeah, I don't like whatever happened there resulted in Barry Bostwick getting arrested. But I can't really remember. He tried to leave the store. He was wearing a shirt. He was like hiding from them, and they thought oh, he was God. shoplifting. But then the second time it happened was when. I guess he's he's dancing along. He um he winds up in the uh parasailing thing and he gets dragged across the beach and he like like Bernie gets dragged across those two girls with the bikinis yeah. and like mm-hmm. like the like he then flies past Barry Boswick and the bikinis end up on Barry Boswick and then it was like Barry Boswick sees that it's Bernie that like that you know, like flies past him with the parasail, and then 
the police are like, oh, you stole these girls' bikini tops. You're clearly holding them in your hand. You know, like, that one, that one I think worked. And then the submarine thing worked. But they weren't, they weren't all as, like, brilliant and, and sort of seamless as the bikini one. You know, the bikini one was like, A leads to B leads to C leads to Barry Boswick getting, you know, uh, arrested. You know, like, I think if... I think if all the setups and payoffs were as good as that one, it you know, if there was more of that in the movie, it would have been like that was where your that was where your comedy was. Um right. And there wasn't enough of that. And I think part of it was cuz Barry Bostwick was so weird. Like he was he was a weird character. Yeah. Uh, I I did like the the sub one. I can't remember what he said now. It was another good throwaway line like the hey, that's my popcorn line. Uh, where like he's trying to get out of the sub, and she's like, "We're fifty feet underwater. You can't get out." And he's like, "I know that guy." Or so I I don't remember what he said, but whatever it was, I was like, "I was." It was like as the scene was cutting away, and I was like, oh, that, was, "That was a good line." Um, yeah. I, again, it wasn't. Uh, I don't know that anyone's ever going to describe this as a good movie, but I laughed. I was entertained. I it was entertained. Not a good good and film, I, and I laughed many times. So. You know, I don't. I don't think they were going for, you know, Oscar bait. I I think they were trying to make me laugh for ninety minutes, and I think they did a pretty good job. I think they knew exactly what they had going on. They they had a successful first movie. They had a deal with the Virgin Islands. <laughs> they just uh, like, all right, we're just gonna we're just gonna keep making this movie until we're done. How do we how do we make this happen? How do we get? this corpse to still be moving around voodoo curse done. And then that was, that was it. Like I, I... everybody signed up just for the free vacation on the, the Virgin islands. They were mm-hmm. like, all right, we'll put you all up on the Virgin islands. You can make this movie for a month. All right. I, th- I definitely rented this more than once when I was a kid. I definitely saw the first one more than this one, but I, I definitely rented this multiple times as a kid. I think this was the only way they could get to the like perfect recipe of the culmination of all the things at the end of the movie with, you know, with the girl that Andrew McCarthy was, was smacking on and her voodoo doctor dad and the other guys and the money and like all that stuff needed to all come together at one place. So they needed to put some of these steps into motion, but I think what started it all off was the submarine scene and I'm watching it and I'm like, why did they bring that harpoon down there? What were they, (laughs) what were they doing with that harpoon? Why was that necessary down there? Was was this before or after we saw the shark attack Bernie? Because if I saw a shark attack Bernie and then I was going in the water, I'd bring a harpoon too. Oh, did, was it after the was the oh, shark? Oh, I don't know. The, I don't remember. The sh- so the shark was when he was parasailing, right? Yeah. Did that happen it before? Was, or after yeah, that? because then he had the arrow in his head for the rest of the movie, and he didn't have the arrow in his head when they were parasailing. So yeah. 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 Well, the 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 harpoon went in his head when they were snorkeling, looking for the yeah. chest. Which you know was all very contrived. Where this happens, that happens, and then they accidentally shoot the harpoon, and it goes through Bernie's head. But where then he needed to have a harpoon in his head so he could be the the yoke of the <laughs> of the the horse pulling the cart um, that started the high speed chase that ended the movie. Um, so you know, I get that you needed all those steps, but I was like, 
Wow, where did this harpoon come into the story? <laughs> I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess you figured yeah, it out. The shark, the, yeah. the shark leads to the harpoon. All right, it's a, you know what? It's a solid movie. I take it back. <laughs> I take it back. Eight plus. Eight out of ten. Sold. It all makes sense now. Uh, I could have used a little, another little animated cartoon at the end while the, the credits were rolling. Don't just phone it in at the beginning, folks. You got to finish this sucker out strong. No post credit scene. No setup for weekend. No, no weekend of Bernie's three. No completing. The oh, trilogy. it's coming now that we've put this on our podcast. You mark my words. In the next year, we're gonna get weekend of Bernie's three. It might just be a Hulu direct release, but we're gonna get us a weekend so, of Bernie's three. How do we? How do we do it? How do they bring Bernie's corpse back? Like clearly, everyone's aged. Like this can't be five minutes after that last movie. Yeah. So how are they going to explain this? Well, now Ooh. that I write these Fast and Furious scenes, I think I could write this movie. Um, yeah, what would it be? What would it be? Bernie's got a twin brother. Or, or, maybe, or maybe Andrew McCarthy's dead. And somehow they own Bernie's mansion. I mean... And his well, kids tramp, would we, would tramp his body this, around. Would we be setting this in... You know, 1995 or whatever it was, or would we be? No, that's too no, easy. It's, it's, it's today. Maybe today. it's maybe it's Bernie's kid. Maybe Bernie's maybe Bernie's son is also an asshole, and then he dies. And maybe it's dark in the beginning, like real dark, like so dark it's hard to come back from. Where like Bernie's son kills Andrew McCarthy for what he did to his father, and then uses his corpse on some comical adventure. You know really dig yourself out of a hole like dig deep and then spend the rest of the moving digging up stupid dig wow. up well i'm i'm about tapped out uh <laughs> this might be the longest conversation anybody's, anybody's ever had <laughs> about weekend at bernie's too including the people who made it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i think i got everything from my list yeah yeah well, I mean, I still give it a thumbs up. I don't know that it's a good movie, but I was definitely entertained by it. You do really need to see the first one, though. If if not the first a- one might even be a good movie, the first one I is a good first, movie. Yeah, it's it's a it, it is a solidly decent comedy without right. a doubt. It's a yeah. it's a it's a screwball eighties comedy Part at the best of screwball eighties comedies premise. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, the second one. I laughed. I think this is about as good as a sequel to that movie could have possibly been. <laughs> a sequel to Weekend at Bernie's was always going to be a bad idea. It was always going to be this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't, All right. I don't know if I can recommend this in good conscience. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I think if you have a couple beers in you, watch the movie. If you know what you're getting into. <laughs> you know, I, or a couple I, I mojitos, you yeah. know. Yeah. Do what you got to do. Keep it tropical. Keep it tropical. <laughs> you you will laugh, but I don't know if that makes it worth watching. <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed an experience. Our our lifetimes are limited, right? Like <laughs> these hours matter. <laughs> there are worse things you could do with this time. Sure. Not a lot, but <laughs> they exist. All right. Well, uh, I guess it's time for us to 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 vote on our next movies. Um, so we're on to the, uh, we're on to X, which is slim pickings, I, I think. Uh, who wants to, um, who wants to go first? I want to go first because I don't have a backup. All right, go okay. ahead. I want to, I want to put forth X-Files 2. Right. Because I haven't seen that one in a, in a, in a hot minute. 
And I think I remember thinking to myself that I liked it. I can't remember what was the subtitle on that one. Oh. Uh, Fight the Future was the first one, right? Right. Fight the Future was the first one. And that one was very much like, that could have been like a, a, a series ender. I think the second one was just a standalone plot. I think I the second one was just called Remember This? Remember the X-Files? <laughs> <laughs> Were you missing this? Because here's a little bit more. 2008's X-Files, I Want to Believe. That's oh, that was the, it. I Want to Believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen it in years, so I want to rewatch that. Okay. Okay. How about you, Paul? Um, well, I think you know what I'm going to say. Um, uh, I, 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 all of... Everything's been building to this point. I've tried to convince you guys to watch Fast and Furious movies, and successfully with Chris, less successfully with Sean, to try to convince you that Fast X is an X movie. <laughs> <laughs> it starts with F. I know. What are you but doing? I was, I was, you know, I was really going to try to stretch it and be like, "Come on, it's all been building to this Fast X, and that, that's got an X in it. It's like it's the main feature is the X." So I was I was going to try to sell you on that and then if I couldn't sell you on that and you said no 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 it starts with an F it doesn't start with an X my pick was going to be and I've again I've said this like if Fast and Furious movies came out as frequently as Marvel I'd I'd watch them so I like sometimes I get the hankering for a movie like that and I'm like what are the things that I could watch, you know? And I've watched things like Death Race 2000 and, you know, the Transporter and the Mechanic and all these other things, like trying to capture the 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 feeling that Fast and Furious gives you. Um, the rush. And so uh, one that I've been like, oh, I should watch this. But then I'm like, ah, I'm going to save it in case I can use it for X. So I've literally been saving it for a while. Is Triple X. I have not seen Triple yeah, X. That's where that was coming. And from. I was like, oh, that'll be my X pick if if I can't sell anybody on the other one. So Yeah. The first I, one or the sequel? I've never seen any of them. Wait, I've... there's three of them. There's three of them? Yeah, there was Triple X and there was Triple X State of the Union where Vin Diesel did not come back. And then there was a third one where Vin Diesel did come I back. I think the second one was it Ice Cube? Ice Cube, yeah. Yeah. Well I didn't know there was a third one. I've not seen any of the three of them. So I guess I guess my pick would be the first one. Yeah, I haven't seen any of them either. That was going to be that was that was going to be my pick if for some reason you didn't make that your pick because uh, I was I felt pretty confident that that's what you were going to pick. Uh, so I guess the uh, the only thing left for me to do I'm I'm torn because like do I want to watch something I remember liking or do I want to watch something I know I'm not going to like but I haven't seen. Um, ah, heck with it. Uh. I the only X Men movie I haven't seen is X Men Apocalypse. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Part of me wants to like go back to the original X Men movie, but you know I liked that movie, so maybe I don't want to go back to it and not like it or something. But yeah, heck with it. X Men Apocalypse. I hear it's just an absolute travesty, and uh, well, it's been a while since I've watched a travesty. Just, just, just. Jesus. <laughs> so I have to vote for one of your movies. I saw Triple X in the theater and never watched it again. And I saw X-Men Apocalypse in the theater for as much as I could keep my eyes open. Not that I fell asleep, more that like I felt I had to work look away and all good conscious, you know? It was like, oh 
Jesus, I'm pretty sure we know where this is going to go. I don't know. Let's, let's, Do let's, we? Because I haven't you know figured what? it out in my own head yet. You know what, though? I, I've, I've seen X Men Apocalypse a couple times, and you know, like while it's not great, like I think it's watchable. I think I tried to watch that Dark Phoenix one, and I was like, "Oh God, what happened yeah. here?" I saw that one. That was. I watched that one while I was at work. That was rough. I will say this for the Dark Phoenix one. It was a terrible movie. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. I was going to say, it had a cool fight scene in the middle. I liked the fight scene on the train. You you effectively did a fun fight scene. Was the movie trash? Absolutely. Did the fight scene make up for it? Absolutely not. But you gave me a good fight scene in the middle. I feel like Age of Apocalypse didn't even give me that. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I could do Pride of the X-Men instead. There's no, it's it fine. It just does. Isn't, isn't it technically X-Men, Pride of the X-Men? No, I guess it's, there's, I don't know. What there's like nine or ten of these X-Men movies. Like, you you have to pick Apocalypse? Like, there's <laughs> the only one I haven't seen. And I can't think of another excuse to watch it other than to have to watch it to discuss on the show. Because if I haven't watched it at this point just intentionally, then I don't think it's going to happen. So, yeah, it's, it's my... That's my pick because it's the only one I haven't watched. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think they'll both give us, both Chris's pick and Paul's pick will give us lots of things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is going to be a recommendation week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm ready when you guys are. Okay. And go. I'm going to go with triple X. And that's what I voted for as well. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Good. I voted for X Files. Sounds like we're watching Triple right. X. We are. We're going to watch Vin Diesel. See, now, Evan, who uh, runs the Plex server that I get all my stolen movies from, he says that he likes to look at the Triple uh, the X movies as like, an, uh, like a future. It's the same. It's it, he likes to think that Dominic Toretto is Triple X. Like it's the same character. Just like after the Fast movies are all done, this is what he does. I don't know if that makes any sense. And then but... and then maybe after that he goes to space and he's Riddick. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's all the same dude. It's all the same universe. Yep. And then after Riddick dies, he's reborn as a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you have it, folks. We're going to be watching Triple X. God help us. Anyway, a theater near you is a part of the Geek Aid Podcast Network. And if you'd like to get in touch with us to share your comments, movie suggestions, or whatever, you can send us an email at mail at geekade.com. You can also be found on most social media outlets and the official Geek Aid Discord server, all of which can be found in our show notes. If you'd like early access to this podcast and several others on the Geekade Podcast Network, check out the Geekade Patreon, link to in the show notes. Helps keep this show running and our site shiny and clean. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time in the theater near you. Thank you.